Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As diehard conservative. I to this guy for wisdom. Dershowitz doesn't think that there are grounds for the impeachment of Joe Biden. I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, I think that for for Alan Dershowitz to find justification for impeachment, the president of the United States would have to be caught writing a personal check to the Taliban. But, you know, he wrote this op-ed that I want to address off the bat. This is Drew Allen, by the way host of the illustrious Drew Allen Show podcast. And you can email me, questions, concerns, love, hate, at email at drewthomasallen.com. And you can, of course, subscribe to my uh, website at drewallen.substack.com to keep up to date and abreast of everything I'm up to here. But he wrote this op-ed in The Hill. The Hill, of course, is the, well, the establishment's... um, Well, that rag that poses as some kind of a semi-Republican publication there in Washington, D.C. But he says those calls to impeach Biden as wrong as they were with Trump. And off the bat, he's conflating somehow what should be done to Biden with what the Democrats did improperly without justification to Trump. To Trump, we're not talking about the same thing. But I want to get into this article and address it piece by piece because this president must be impeached. There's never been a clear reason, clear justification for the impeachment of a president in American history as far as I'm concerned. But, but he, he starts off, he gets into the article. This came out, I think, last Thursday. But he writes, whatever one may think of what Biden did or failed to do, it does not constitute an impeachable offense under the text of the Constitution. Well, how so? How so, Alan? Well, he says, as I argued to the Senate a year and a half ago, vague terms like abuse of power or dereliction of duty do not meet the constitutional criteria of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. He says a similar term, maladministration, was explicitly rejected by the Constitutional Convention after James Madison, the father of our Constitution, warned that so vague a term will be equivalent to a presidential tenure during pleasure of Senate. Well, I agree there, but that's not what we're talking about, Mr. Dershowitz, with all due respect. We're not talking about impeachment on the grounds of maladministration. The reason that the framers of the Constitution put in treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors was, well, let me give you kind of a breakdown here of what took place. You know, when they were 
when the, when the 55 delegates were meeting at the uh, Constitutional Convention, well, one of the main issues that sparked the concern of so many was that treason and bribery, they just didn't cut it. It was too narrow. And so George Mason, who was the author of Virginia's Declaration of Rights, well, he was alarmed that, well, a president might become a tyrant like King George III. And so he asked the question, why treason and bribery were the only ground in the draft for impeachment? Because his question was, why not attempts to subvert the Constitution? And so that's what gave birth to the addition of high crimes and misdemeanors. And there were many concerns that this was born of. I mean, on one side at the Constitutional, Constitutional Convention, you had people like Charles Pinckney of South Carolina and, and Governor Morris of Pennsylvania who sat there. Well, they didn't want to have that in there at all because they, they, they surmised that, well, if the president, president should be reelected, well, that will be sufficient proof of his innocence. And, and Morris argued impeachment will render the executive dependent on those who are to impeach. But then the question came from Mason, George Mason, well, shall any man be above justice? Shall that man be above it who can commit the most extensive injustice? And so Madison argued that the Constitution needed a provision for defending the community against the incapacity, negligence, or perfidy of the chief magistrate. Waiting to vote him out of office in a general election, that just didn't cut it. And he was right. And so what they sought to do with impeachment was a replication in many ways influenced heavily by what, took, what had already existed in Great Britain. So you had a, a, a House of Representatives here that would submit articles of impeachment, draw them up, the reasons why, and then they would submit those to the Senate, and the Senate would be the place where the trial was held. And so George Mason, he's the one, he was concerned, he's the one who said, why not attempts to subvert the Constitution? Why, why is that not in this? Why is it just treason and bribery? There are other things that can go wrong, other abuses of power that can take place. And so Mason suggested maladministration is a third cause. And that's where Madison objected. Because he said, as Dershowitz says correctly in his article here, he does say this, so vague a term will be equivalent to a tenure during pleasure of the Senate. Maladministration, what does it mean? It's too vague. He's right. You could, you could make anything maladministration. And then any, any president is subject to impeachment due to factionalism, political parties, etc. And so Mason came back and offered a substitute. He said, other high crimes and misdemeanors. 
because that phraseology already existed in the English Parliament. And so that's what they voted on, that's what they ratified, and that's the language that was put in there. But it was born out of subversion of the Constitution. And so the thrust of the thrust of Dershowitz's argument, okay, he, he cont- even though he puts, even though he writes in his article in the beginning, the full impeachment clause, you know, including high crimes and misdemeanors, then he goes on and writes, the framers insisted that a president could not be impeached unless he committed criminal type conduct akin to treason and bribery. I just told you that's not what they said. I don't know where he gets off saying this. And if this is true, in addition to the points that I just made, well, why did President Thomas Jefferson, who, okay, he was not a framer, but he was a framer in many other senses. He was in Paris while this was being drafted, but he was one of the most prominent founding fathers. He influenced the ideas and philosophies of all of these men who were drafting this. He had opinions. People knew him. He was a personal friend. But President Thomas Jefferson, well, he called for the impeachment of a federal district judge on the grounds that he was a man of loose morals and intemperate habits. This guy, Judge John Pickering, all right, he was a U.S. district court judge, and he was impeached on March 2nd, 1803. This is like the proximity of the Constitution being written and this impeachment taking place. I mean, all these people are around. And these articles of impeachment for Pickering, well, they accused Pickering, the U.S. district court judge, of... Are you ready? Drunkenness, blasphemy on the bench, and refusing to follow legal precedent. Now, that's what they framed it as. That's what they wrote in the impeachment articles. But if you look at it historically, there's explanation. Basically, the guy was mentally ill. He'd lost his mind. He was not capable, mentally or physically, of conducting his job, conducting the role, fulfilling the role of a U.S. District Court judge. And Thomas Jefferson asked him to resign. He wouldn't resign, and so he impeached him. And sure enough, he was convicted in the Senate a year later on March 12th, 1804. And so I know now the left and Alan Dershowitz and these people will say, well, that was an abusive impeachment. I would disagree. But Dershowitz would claim and does claim in this article, well, to use the impeachment power on partisan grounds damages the Constitution and creates a dangerous precedent. Partisan grounds? I mean, look at the world we live in. It's all partisan. It's hyper-partisan. I mean, no one should ever be impeached according to this guy because it'll be a partisan impeachment. Look what happened to Donald Trump. And Dershowitz rejects that, but then he acts like what we're talking about with Biden is akin to that. It's another partisan impeachment. Well, sure. I mean, the left is totally consumed by radical leftist Marxists destroying the company the country, you could impeach all those people. Impeachment's just not for a president. Nancy Pelosi should be impeached. Nadler. Adam Schiff. Uh, the guy who slept with uh, Feng Feng. All of these people. And so this is not a, a valid argument. And it's not creating, I mean, 
well, when the when there are facts to back up the impeachment, screw this partisan idea. Of course, an impeachment of Biden would be partisan right now, but that's not reason not to impeach him to set a precedent. The precedent's been set. We're not following that precedent just because the precedent was set over four years with Trump of actually engaging in partisan impeachment that was not based on any reality or fact, that was just hatred for Trump, animosity, trying to destroy their political opposition. Because that happened doesn't mean that's happening now. And so Biden's mental and physical disqualifications aside, okay? I mean, those are grounds in themselves for impeachment. I just told you about this judge who was impeached for similar things. In fact, it's eerily similar. So fine, let's go along with Dershowitz. Let's say, for example, okay, well, we can't impeach him for his mental and physical disqualifications, even though Thomas Jefferson did it. Okay, well, higher crimes and misdemeanors, Mr. Dershowitz. As far as I'm concerned, is there a higher crime or misdemeanor than violating the oath of, oath of office and subverting the Constitution? No. That's why that phraseology even exists. The, the President of the United States takes the following oath upon entering office, okay? He says, or she someday, I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Is there any doubt that Joe Biden is not only not protecting and defending the Constitution of the United States, but he is actively attacking it, assaulting it, destroying it? Let's just start with one example. The CDC, recall how they unconstitutionally extended the eviction moratorium. They don't have the authority to do that. None whatsoever. And Biden, of course, acknowledged that this extension by the CDC, which is, was in violation of the Constitution, which was even said by the Supreme Court to be a violation of the Constitution, well, he said it's not likely to pass constitutional muster. Those were his words. But then he hails it. He hails the CDC's unconstitutionality. He said it's worth the effort. Is that what protecting and defending the Constitution looks like? No. There's one impeachment article for you, okay, Congress? Okay, Republicans? There's the first one. Well, how about the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution? I would ask Mr. Dershowitz. I'm talking about the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. This is the amendment that was ratified after the Civil War in 1868. Ratified to stop states from discriminating against blacks. Section 1 clearly states, for those still literate, which may not include me on the left, which is well, let's continue on. Section 1. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property 
without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Well, what happened on August 23rd? August 23rd, that's when Joe Biden gave his little address. He called on private companies to discriminate against the unvaccinated. He said, if you're a business leader, a nonprofit leader, a state or local leader who has been waiting on full FDA approval to require vaccinations, I call on you now to do that, Biden said. Require it, he demanded. Now, I've talked about, and if you've listened to me before, I've written about as well, how the unvaxxed are the new blacks, or you could go further and call them Jews as well now. But for the purposes of this conversation, the unvaxxed are the new blacks, right? Is it not a violation of the Constitution, the Equal Protection Clause, to require vaccination to work, to require vaccination as a prerequisite to enjoying your constitutional, unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Of course it is. There's another article for impeachment. Is this the behavior of a president who is defending the Constitution? No, he's, he's encouraging the violation of the Equal Protection Clause. He's encouraging discrimination. He's encouraging abridging the privileges and immunities of citizens. He's encouraging and demanding, depriving Americans life, liberty, and property if they're not vaccinated. And so these, these, these are obvious impeachable offenses as far as I'm concerned. But now let's go to Afghanistan. Now, let's go back to what Mr. Dershowitz says. Alan Dershowitz. He says, of course, the framers insisted that a president could not be impeached unless he committed criminal-type conduct akin to treason and bribery. Fine. He's wrong. But let's just stick with treason and bribery. How is treason defined in the Constitution? Article 3, Section 3, Clause 1. Here's how treason is defined. Levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. Well, Biden ignored the advice of his military advisors by withdrawing the troops in the manner that he did. And in the process, left behind, gifted them billions in American weaponry in the process. I'll have to find this after a break. There's a, uh, well, a photo accompaniment to the breakdown of arms, weapons, vehicles, planes that were left behind. How many were left behind in addition to their dollar value. It's astonishing. Astonishing. This guy left all that behind, abandoned it. What did he think was going to happen? He gifted it to him. He didn't blow them up. He didn't take them with him. He just left them there, knowing that the Taliban was going to take over Afghanistan. And then, of course, we know now that they're pushing still forward with their plan to, well, be out of Afghanistan. Get out of there. And they've admitted as such that they, well, they won't be able to get all the Americans out. And Dan Crenshaw, he tweeted something the other day. Dan Crenshaw, the Republican from Texas, 
Well, he tweeted, Biden is not letting U.S. citizens through the airport gates. It has been impossible to get anyone through for the last 24 hours. So the American government, the Biden administration is actively prohibiting Americans from fleeing, forcing them to stay against their will. So the Biden administration is not only giving the Taliban, ISIS, and any other terrorist group in there right now, he's not only giving them American weapons, but he's also giving them American hostages. Impeach, impeach, impeach. Of course, we know, as I talked about last time, well, these Americans were left behind. They, they couldn't get to the airport. And now we know that there were warnings. The military there on the ground at the airport knew of incoming terrorist attacks, suicide bombers, and yet did nothing to fortify themselves, did nothing to cut it off. They allowed it to happen. 13 U.S. service members were killed in Kabul in that airport attack. How many American civilians has Biden condemned to die by leaving them stranded behind? enemy lines, in addition to the 13 that are already dead? Is that not an act of treason? And how about, how about another article of impeachment for the Republicans? How about when Biden greenlit the Russian pipeline while he shut down the American pipeline? This certainly aids and abets, aids and comforts the enemy, and it certainly hinders and harms us, the American citizens, the American people, our economy. Our autonomy. There's another article of impeachment. How about another one? The attack on free speech, the First Amendment. Back in June, remember when Biden, he called on Facebook to take action. He said, he said, Facebook, he said, uh, what did he say? Okay, he called for, are you ready? Here's the quotation here, I got it in front of me. Facebook to take action, responsible action, action that is critical to the health of our democracy. Calling on them to censor free speech. Censor the speech of his political opponents. Is this defending the uh, First Amendment, Mr. Dershowitz? Is this faithfully executing the oath of office? You know, the truth is, as I said, there's no more clear case for impeachment of a president. And so Dershowitz is just absolutely wrong. And you know, I think Dershowitz and a lot of these folks, they're just cowards. They're just cowards. And I think maybe some of it does come out of concern for America. Just like, let me give you an example, okay? When the Republicans certified the election for Joe Biden, they could have stood their ground and refused to certify, just as Republicans did in the contested election of 1876 under the same circumstances. A cheating Democratic Party About a decade after the Civil War, Rutherford B. Hayes was the Republican presidential nominee and Samuel Tilden was the Democrat. The Democrats threatened Tilden or war. Think about how that would make those people feel who had just gotten out of a bloody Civil War and the Democrats are threatening war if Tilden is not made president. And still the Republicans held fast, held strong, refused to concede. 
And so many of those Republicans, not all, but many, I think, in their minds and hearts, they thought that they were protecting democracy by doing that, avoiding a battle. But they didn't. They gave up. They put us in this situation now, and this is the same thing now. They're saying, well, we can't impeach Biden because of the precedent. Precedent? We can't survive under this administration much longer. We can't make our decisions based on what the Democrats... Well, the Democrats are off... I mean, the, the Democrats are insane. They've lost their minds. They're unhinged. They don't operate by morality. They don't respect the Constitution. We can't continue to act like, oh, well, trepid with trepidation, you know. Well, we can't impeach Joe Biden. It'll look bad, or, you know, it's like it's going to make the Democrats matter. No, forget that. That's like going back to the Civil War and saying, you know, we could have a Civil War here if uh, Lincoln um, continues to push this issue with these southern states, with the Confederacy. You know, if, if he continues to say that slavery is wrong and he keeps saying we need to abolish slavery, well, that could get us into some trouble. No, you, it's morals, it's principles. And so, you know, Dershowitz argues the impeachment of, of Biden damages the Constitution. It doesn't damage the Constitution. Look, look what's being done to America. Look what Biden's doing to the Constitution. Impeaching Biden fulfills the Constitution, Alan. It's Biden who's destroying the Constitution, destroying America. Biden has to be impeached. It's, it's necessary, it's constitutional, and it exists for the sole purpose of doing this, of removing Joe Biden. And that's not even a mention. I'm not going to get into it. I'm going to move on to some other stories. But that doesn't even get into the corruption, treason, bribery. All those stories still exist, even though they're not being investigated, of Hunter Biden's laptop, of 10% for the big guy, of Hunter Biden and the Biden family being corrupt, taking money from the mayor of Moscow's wife. And guess what? Russia gets a pipeline. China paying a, a unbelievable salary. Ukraine paying money to Hunter Biden for setting up meetings with Joe Biden while he was vice president. That's how serious this is. And really, all the things I mentioned before this corruption, I mean, those are impeachable offenses. But I think the most alarming one of all is that it looks more and more like, I mean, we do have a compromised president. We have a president who seems to be acting on behalf of China, on behalf of Russia, on behalf of enemy nations. We've never seen anything quite to this extent before. And it's becoming more and more the only logical conclusion that well, they got Biden. They got Biden. And Biden is, he's been compromised. All right, this is Drew Allen, and we'll be right back. Yes, I'm aware that... <clears throat> Some of you may be saying, Drew, but Drew, we're the minority party. We can't impeach President Biden. 
That's not an excuse not to make the argument. That's not an excuse not to bring that argument to the American people, to lay the groundwork for that. I mean, we do have midterms coming up in 2022. They're not that far away. I mean, it's frightening that they're as far away as they are at this point. But we can't sit here and act like we're always on the defense. We can't be defensive all the time and take this posture. That's why we're in the situation we're in. We never fight. We never go on the attack. We never go on the offense. And so just because we're the minority party, just because we don't have a majority in the House and we don't have a majority in the Senate, which is split 50-50, with, of course, Kamala Harris being the tie-breaking vote, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We have to push forward and make this argument to the American people because it's important. It's important to the, the, the protection and defense of this nation. Now, I want to I shift gears here for just a second. I want to talk about real life, my real life. So I'm up here in Napa Valley. And when I'm not uh, doing... Radio, radio interviews, TV interviews, writing articles, and doing this podcast, I work at a winery here in Napa Valley. And, you know, a while ago, in this communist state, one individual, a county health official in Napa, well, she, this individual, this doctor, well, she mandated masks indoors again. And, you know, the, the space that I'm working in, I, I, I have refused to wear a mask. I don't do it. And only one person in the uh, administration there at the winery continues to talk down to me and tell me, you have to wear a mask. You know, I was, uh, I'm going somewhere with this, by the way, to make a point. But I was, uh, I was in there in a tasting room all by my lonesome self. No guests, no clients, nobody. Just in there by myself. And this individual came in and told me, indoors during business hours, you have to wear a mask on your face. And I just looked at her and I said, No. No, that's stupid. I'm not going to do it. So I haven't been fired yet, and that's good news. But, um, you know, many people who are in the management at this place where I work, well, it's so dumb. You know, they, they come in. Sometimes they wear masks. Sometimes they don't. But most of the time they come in in an empty room, and they're outside mingling six inches from people's faces with masks off their f- face, And then they come into the tasting room, and just because they're indoors, they suddenly put the mask on their face, the dirty face diaper. And it's hilarious to me. It's embarrassing. It defies science, rationality, and everything else, as we know. So these same people who are wearing their masks indoors alone, well, there was an event. There was an event on uh, Sunday afternoon into the evening. Uh, Musicians were playing. It was indoors because it was in the 90s today. It was hot. 
So we had a large gallery space where we could hold the event indoors. And also the tasting room as well. I didn't wear a mask the entire time. Now, most of these individuals who paid a lot of money to come to this event, it was a four-day event. And they've been going winery to winery. And I don't know what the other wineries did, but I would imagine it's the exact same. But these people were coming from North Carolina, a lot of them South Carolina, from Texas, from Florida, from other states. They're coming to this event. And I didn't see a mask on, uh, well, I would say 99.99% of the people didn't have a mask the entire time they they were there. There were 200 people packed into this space, no one wearing a mask. And these same administrators, these same managers, uh, well, most of them, all of them actually, they weren't wearing masks. And my point is, all of this is stupid. All of this is, is illogical. And the reason the masks weren't being worn is because the musicians weren't wearing masks and the 200 guests weren't wearing masks. And so these same liberal communists who wear their masks when there's no one in the tasting room on a weekday that suddenly felt safe to take their masks off their faces indoors with 200 plus people, well, it's about, the the, the thought occurred to me this way, power in numbers, the herd mentality. When these people descended in Napa Valley for this event and all of them feel the same way that we do, that this mass crap is BS, well, this person wanted to fit in. This same person who puts his mask on all the time around me, indoors, by himself, 30 feet away, in an empty room, well, suddenly today he felt safe and confident not wearing a mask. And that's because none of these people wore masks. He wanted to fit in. And that's the point I'm trying to make. You know, liberals get away with this crap because they have power in numbers. But when we descend on the scene and we outnumber them, people just want to fit in. They want to be like everyone else. They want to be welcomed. They want to be part of the club. And in California, on normal days, when none of these people are here not wearing masks, well, these people wear masks because the other people around, the majority of them are liberal Democrat communists who are just going along to get along, putting on their masks. Maybe they're fearful of COVID, maybe they're not, but they're doing it because the government says so. But now I have the juxtaposition of a scenario of 200 plus people like it was Obama's birthday party not wearing masks. They don't care at all, which tells me it's all baloney. All these communists that are coming and saying, we have to wear masks, we have to wear masks indoors, we have to be obedient. Well, when they get around people who are sane and rational and outnumber them and they want to fit in with the cool kids, all that's out the window. They don't care anymore. So anyway, I just wanted to share that little bit of my life with you, my experience and my observation today, because it's amazing to see the same individuals masking up indoors on a day-to-day basis, feeling comfortable around 200 plus people in a confined space not wearing a mask because no one's wearing it. And I guess that's my point. This is Jerron and we'll be right back. There's been an article circulating, not an article, pardon me, 
a video circulating. Biden met with the new prime minister of Israel, and um, he appears to be sleeping while the prime minister of Israel is talking. Now, I don't want to get into it too much, but you know, I, I post millennial, which is a publication out of Canada that I, I, I really have great admiration for. They really pushed this thing forward. And I just want to submit a word of caution because I watched this video. You know, they, they, they cut it down to a 22, 23 second clip, I think. And the prime minister of Israel is talking and Biden looks like he's sleeping. But it's not the case. All right. If you're watching the video, if you watch the full video, uh, Biden has papers in his hands. He looks like he's sleeping, honestly, the entire time because he's got a mask on his face, which is really the thing that people should be focused on, the stupidity of that. But he's got a mask on his face and the angle of the camera, every time he looks down, it looks like he's sleeping. And so... Biden is simply looking down. He, he, he didn't fall asleep during this, this interview, okay? I guess that's my point. But this type of thing discredits our side. It hurts conservatism. Um, uh, it's very clear when you watch the whole video that Biden is not sleeping. Um, he's just looking down. And when he looks down, it looks like he's sleeping. He's got a mask. All you can see is his eyes. His eyelids look shut because his head's tilted down. And um, so I just want to address that if you saw it. It's, it's, it's not real. Uh, many conservatives, people I admire, are um, continuing to push this forward as Sleepy Joe. And there are enough instances of his incompetence, uh, of his dementia or whatever it is, his mental decline, physical inability to run this country and execute faithfully the office of the president of the United States. We don't need to sink to that level. We don't need to become CNN and push fake news. And that's really what that was. But that aside, I just want to address that in case you saw it. It, it. It's not true. He wasn't asleep. But Biden showed up at the Dover Air Force Base to receive the bodies of the, I believe it's 13, 13 dead Marines. I think they were all Marines who died as a result of Joe Biden's well, intentional incompetence in that, well, suicide bombing attack at the Kabul, or Kabul, if you will, airport. And he is a real piece of garbage. Um, <clears throat> this is something that we can focus on. The AP cannot fact check. It is undeniable. I watched this video as well. Joe Biden, of course, shows up because he has to for a photo op to pretend like he cares about the fallen soldiers that died as a direct result of his inaction, his poor decision-making, his incompetence. And what does he do? He takes a peek at his watch to check the time. Now, whether you give Biden the benefit of the doubt or not, he knows cameras are focused on him. He knows the somber occasion. He knows the hot water he's in because these people died because of him. 
Their blood is on his hands. But despite all of this, Biden still can't help but look at his watch. Any person with two brain cells to run, to rub together, would not do that. They would know not to do that. They would go into a situation like that and they would know, do not look at your watch. Give the correct posture. Even if you didn't care about these lost lives, which Biden doesn't, but even if you didn't care about them, but you had a couple of brain cells, you wouldn't make the mistake of checking your watch while video cameras are looking at you as these dead bodies that you are responsible for their deaths are unloaded from a plane. And so this is the real thing to talk about with Joe Biden. Remember the images of Trump, Trump saluting. Such strength, such reverence, such respect for our military. There's a photo as well of of Trump when he shows up, probably one of those surprise visits. It was in the Middle East for sure. I don't know for sure right now if it was Afghanistan, but it likely was. And the, the, the soldiers are just clamoring packed in, reaching to touch him, to grab his hand, shake his hand because they so respected him because they because he, Trump, so respected them. And again, I talked about juxtaposition, but we have a juxtaposition now of just such a distinction between presidencies. Such a illuminating display of how much trouble we're in, of, about how sick the Democratic Party is and this president is, about how far we've fallen, about how amoral this administration is compared to the last, but no mean tweets, right? No mean tweets. That's what we can be thankful for. But of course, one mean tweet from Trump could have stopped the Taliban from taking over Afghanistan because they knew that he meant business. They feared him. And yet this by this presidency, this administration, <clears throat> they're not feared by anybody. All they do is exhibit. All they do is promote weakness, American weakness. And it's so dangerous for our country. It truly is. I'll be right back. This is Olivia Rodrigo, who once thought only white girls could be pop stars. And that's enough of that. That is some trash crap music, if I've ever heard it in my life. 
But uh, that was Olivia Rodrigo. I don't know the name of the song. I just played the first one I could find. I don't really care. I've never heard of her. But this is from page six. Um, you know, cat. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't read this kind of uh, pop culture garbage. But apparently, she's a uh, Filipino American singer. Now she's an American Filipino American. Everyone has a, you know, something. I'm Cherokee American, I guess, or British American, Irish American, Russian American. Uh, you, you get the point. But uh, you look at her picture and. My God, she looks awfully white. But anyway, she's a Filipino-American singer. And this is the article from page six. This is what they're saying. Olivia Rodrigo knows the impact she has on fans of color. <laughs> I mean, can, can you believe... I, honest to God, no black American considers you a person of color. But anyway, she revealed in a new Q&A that she herself once believed only white girls could be recognized as true pop stars. Now, this is the truly, true stupidity um, of our culture today. And people who, well, you know, they will become leftists because the leftists will give them some opportunity if they say the right things, culturally. Um, but... Rodrigo, I'm looking for her age. I think she's 18 years old. So she's 18 years old. Hey, gosh, I'm 34. She's 18 years old. So, you know, when I was... Uh, so she claims she, 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 she didn't think that people that weren't white could, could become pop stars. And yet, you know, when I was uh, in high school, well, Shakira uh, was big. Um, there was much rap. There was Missy Elliott. Uh, rap was huge on the scene. Rap uh, was predominantly blacks, apart from Eminem. And in terms of pop, I mean, gosh, you've got an infinite number of non-white pop stars. And somehow this person, who is much, much younger than me, amidst the proliferation of non-white pop stars, uh, she didn't know. She grew up not... What's wrong with her parents? What kind of bubble of indoctrination and stupidity did she grow up in? But this is the kind of garbage we have to encounter. But if you want to understand why someone like Olivia Rodrigo once might have thought that only white girls could be pop stars, despite the fact that if she just turned on the radio, um, she would hear predominantly non-white pop stars. Uh, this is, of course, a lie. Here's the, here's the point of this article. Here's the point, my point that I'm making. Uh, these communist, liberal, Marxist, indoctrinated Democrats, um, they invent their own reality. It doesn't matter what's happening around them, like the mass and so on and so forth. I'll get into that story in a minute about that, how stupid it is. But just like I pointed out in the story I shared with you before about my personal life, you know, uh, 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 reality is what these people make it day by day. It's not reality at all. It's just invented. Olivia Rodrigo, who's 18 years old, thought that she couldn't make it as a pop star because she wasn't white, and yet if she opened her flipping eyes, she'd see plenty of non-whites making it in the pop world. So that's a bogus, stupid thing to say. But I want to play. This is great, actually. Uh, I'm going to look it up right now. Oh, man, God help me. I should have been prepared for this moment. Um, I, I, I've got to go to my, my, I'm going to my Twitter right now. Okay, bear with me. You know, it's funny, I said, like, yesterday, last night, Twitter, by the way, um, Alex Berenson, he said that, um, 
Uh, nothing that wasn't true. But he was uh, banned permanently from Twitter, much like our former president of the United States, uh, because he said something that was against the propagandist media, against the Democratic Party mar- uh, narrative, and Twitter, which is uh, a propagandist censorship machine as well. But let me find this first before I play it, now that I'm talking about Alex Berenson. Alex Berenson's a reporter. Um, he's got his own Substack page. He's relatively prominent. So Alex Berenson, right? So he was uh, banned permanently for Twitter f- from Twitter, permanently for making this tweet. It doesn't stop infection or transmission. Don't think of it as a vaccine. Think of it, at best, as a therapeutic with a limited window of efficacy and terrible side effect profile that must be dosed in advance of illness. And we want to mandate it? Insanity. Of course, Twitter uh, pegged it with um, a notification underneath that says, this tweet is misleading. Learn why health officials recommend a vaccine for most people. He didn't say not to get the vaccine. He didn't come out as an anti-vaxxer. He simply said it doesn't stop infection, which is true. That's science. That's fact. We know that people who get the vaccine are getting infected. We know that the vaccinated are transmitting the virus. So he says, don't think of it as a vaccine. Think of it as a therapeutic with a limited window. And so for this, Alex Berenson was permanently banned from Twitter. Um, This is what we're up against. And on Twitter, I said, I'm done with this crap. You know, I said, you know, and and honestly, with Twitter and all these things, I mean, why do they, why don't they just ban us all at once, honestly? Why, why pick on Alex Barron's? And the message is, be afraid of us. You could be next. So, you know, this is such BS, you know. And I said I'm taking a hiatus, but of course I returned to Twitter today. I may take a hiatus soon. But uh, <clears throat> sometimes I have fun on there. Honestly, you know what I use Twitter for? You know, I do a lot of research. I look at CNN and so on and so forth. But I also follow CNN and these people on Twitter. And so it's a really quick way for me to scan through and see uh, what stories I might want to talk about on this program. But anyway... Back to the, the point of Olivia Rodrigo, who's living in some fantasy land in which she's an 18-year-old who once thought that uh, only whites could be pop stars, despite the fact that there are plenty of non-white pop stars. But here is a, uh, this is a, I want you to hear this. This is a uh, teacher, all right? Um, she's a teacher in a school. I'll have to find out the school district in a moment. But this is what she uh, had to uh, say on her own TikTok. All right, so let me go back to the beginning here and play it. All right, queued up. Here we go. Listen, listen to this. This is what's happening in our schools around the country, and this is why Olivia Rodrigo is a stupid moron. Okay, so during third period, we have announcements, and they do the Pledge of Allegiance. I always tell my class, stand if you feel like it. Don't stand if you feel like it. Say the words if you want. Don't have to say the words. So my class decided to stand but not say the words totally fine except for the fact that my room does not have a flag it used to be there but i took it down during covid because it made me uncomfortable and um i packed it, it away and i don't know where flag. and i haven't found it yet and she tells <laughs> <But> us that <laughs> my kid today goes hey um it's kind of weird that we just stand and then you know we say it to nothing and i'm like oh well you know i gotta find it like i'm working on it i got you in the meantime, I tell this kid, we do have a flag in the class that you can pledge your allegiance to. And he like looks around and he goes, oh, that one? <laughs> okay, so, Dr- 
So she points to an LGBTQ rainbow flag, and that's what they can pledge the allegiance to. This, this person is a sick, sick person. Uh, she is teaching your kids. So, you know, the role of a teacher, of course, is to teach math, science, uh, history, whatever else, uh, not to indoctrinate our children with their, um, how do I say this? There's no really polite term for it, but perverted ideology. This person's a pervert. She hates America, and she's teaching her kids to hate America. That's not what they're paid to do. That's not what their job is. But they're trying to become parents and replace parents. And that's the goal of the left, and that's what's here. This woman has not been fired, by the way. I did read something that was a response by, I believe, the principal. And it basically just said, we'll look into this. I mean, that's what you get. She'll, nothing will happen to this woman. She'll continue to teach whatever these children in her class are, and she'll continue to use her, her position not to teach students about courses and things that will improve their lives, but to teach them things that they have no business instructing on, their opinions, their, their sick, perverted ideology about hatred of America, pledging the allegiance to the LGBTQ plus rainbow flag, but this is why you have Olivia Rodrigo. That's why you have these people. They're divorced from reality, but they're getting it from people like this. They grow, grow up in an environment in which they are indoctrinated by sick perverts like this teacher. But if you've got kids in districts like this, get them the hell out of these schools. Get them out of there. And that goes back to my point about the mask mandates, right? When, when you are impressionable and young in particular, and you have a teacher like this teaching you this, and the students in the class are saying, oh, okay, yeah, we're, we're pledging allegiance to the LGBTQ plus flag. Well, that's all they're going to know. They're not going to learn anything else. And when they grow up, because they've been taught that at a impress young, impressionable age, it's going to be very hard to correct that. But this is what you have. Perverts trying to destroy your children. This person should be fired immediately, of course. And there should actually be no place for her to work. Because we're at a point where we can no longer tolerate this crap. No longer tolerate it whatsoever. We've done it for too long, and this is why we have these situations. All these people understand is fear. This woman knows she can do this and go on TikTok because there's no repercussions. She's part of the, uh, the teacher's union, most likely. She's, she's the protected class. And that's what the Marxists are. All they understand is, like any other American, uh, punishment. And when I get back from the short break, we're going to talk about Mitt Romney and the continued push to punish the unvaccinated. And I've got some data from Oregon, which is one of the most vaccinated states who has now re-implemented mass mandates indoors and outdoors. And guess what? Their COVID hospitalizations have skyrocketed through the roof. No correlation whatsoever. This is Drew Allen. I'll be right back. The sun in my life. It is dead, it is dead. Before we get to the closing of this highly anticipated program, weekly program, sometimes twice a week, uh, you know, I was talking about the uh, case for impeachment, which I hope was ascertainable, understandable, as I went against the great... Alan Dershowitz, constitutional scholar, 
whose credentials mean absolutely nothing because you don't have to be a constitutional scholar to read. You just have to be literate and have a rational mind. But I was talking about, well, just just how many American weapons have been gifted to the Taliban. And I mentioned there was a, a new photo I came across that accompanied the numbers to show you. And I just want to go through a few of those for you to understand the gravity. This has never happened before in American history. Are you ready for this? This is Let's just do equipment. This is what was left behind in nothing. It was intentional. It was intentional. Uh, Trump came out and said that General Milley had instructed him that it was cheaper to leave everything behind. What kind of idiot general suggests that it's cheaper to leave everything behind in enemy hands to arm the enemy? But anyway, that's exactly what Joe Biden did. 22,174 Humvees. Do you have a car? Two cars? Maybe three cars if you have a larger family? Maybe four if you're really fortunate? Well, we left 22,174 Humvees behind in Afghanistan. 634 M1117. I believe that it would be a uh, Abrams tank, by the way, if I'm incorrect. But 634 tanks. 155 MXX Pros. Those are mine-proof vehicles. 169 M113 Now, that's an armored personnel carrier, if I'm not mistaken. 169 armored personnel carriers left behind. Maybe that's the Abrams tank, actually, the M113. 42,000 pickup trucks and SUVs. 42,000. 64,363 machine guns. So, remember this. The Democratic Party and the Biden administration are constantly attacking our Second Amendment right to have semi-automatic weapons. They call them assault rifles, but they're liars. They're not assault rifles. They are semi-automatic weapons. And yet, the Biden administration and Joe Biden himself have just gifted the Taliban 64,000 machine guns automatic weapons, real assault rifles. 8,000 trucks have been left behind. 162,043 radios, 16,035 night vision goggles devices. Assault rifles, 358,530. Pistols, 126,295. And 176 artillery pieces. Now, moving on to helicopters, 33, what does this say, MI-17 helicopters, 33, everyone has heard of Blackhawks, no? 33 Blackhawks, 43 MD-530s, okay, do you remember, by the way, that comment Joe Biden made off the cuff one time, more or less, where he said, uh, you know, if we want to rise up against the American government, we're going to need... F-15s and nuclear weapons. Well, that's funny. It seems like he's trying to help the Taliban rise up against us because he's giving them Black Hawk helicopters. 
He gifted them four C-130 transports, 23 Embraer EMBs. That's the Super Tucano. Um, uh, that can be used as a, a fighter jet. A 28 Cessna 208s and 10 Cessna AC-208s. So anyway, long story short, um, this amounts to like, I think $82 billion or something like that. That's what he just gave an enemy. So he just armed up the Taliban. But anyway, I just want to make you aware of that because that's how serious it is. Now, this propagandist media is, is, is really garbage. CNN is the communist news network. Not the Clinton News Network anymore. It is the Communist News Network. Here's, here's the articles they're spreading every day and writing. Let's hold the unvaccinated financially responsible for the price they've made society pay. The unvaccinated have made society pay, so they're going to hold us responsible. Unbelievable. And then, of course, you have the uh, worthless piece of garbage Mitt Romney who says to the unvaccinated, your liberty affects my health. You know, once again, we have to entertain this argument, this stupid, unenlightened, dark age, unscientific, ridiculous, well, um, point of view that you get the vaccine to protect yourself, but then people who don't get the vaccine are threatening your health and livelihood. So why did you get the vaccine, you morons? If you be, if look, if you got the vaccine and you're worried about the unvaccinated, you're a stupid person. Why'd you get the vaccine? What was the point? And then it gets back to the point of Alex Berenson, does it not? A vaccine is supposed to protect you against getting an illness. If a vaccine no longer protects you against getting an illness, well, it's not a vaccine. And if it is called a vaccine, it's useless. And so this is what you get day in and day out. But I've got this great um, story as well. Um, here's from Andy Ngo. No. Uh, he's the guy who always reports on Antifa in Portland, Oregon, and he always gets beat up and his life threatened and has been in the hospital several times. Uh, but anyway, here's an article from the Times UK. Two men with no pre-existing illnesses, died days after receiving Moderna vaccines from a batch in Japan contaminated with tiny metal flakes. So how do you have two healthy individuals dying because they got a Moderna vaccine? Now, whether it's a result of the fact that they were faulty vaccines or if it was just their reaction to the vaccine, we're not sure. But this seems to suggest that it's because the, the, the vaccines that they received were contaminated. But you'll never see CNN report that. Because the narrative is vaccines good, unvaccinated bad, vaccinated responsible, unvaccinated, well, they need to go to concentration camps. That's where the argument's going with some of these people, by the way. Now, in terms of masking and this bullcrap, you know, doing the same thing twice and expecting different results, that's what we call the definition of insanity. I didn't make that up. Somebody wiser than me, hard to believe, right? Somebody wiser than me many, 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 many moons ago well, they said that, and that's true. So we masked up, you know, um, somewhere in the pandemic in 2020 after we were told that masks didn't work, in which we know that they don't work. But anyway, nonetheless, we masked up.
because that was supposed to, you know, stop transmission and, and bring down hospitalizations. It didn't work at all. So here we are now, over a year later, doing the same thing again. Now, Oregon, by the way, the state of Oregon, uh, they have one of the highest vaccination rates in the country. They are nearly 50, they are nearly 60% vaccinated, 57.9% vaccinated. Okay. Now, let us turn to a chart of current hospitalizations in Oregon. And I want to walk you through this. So back in 2020, the statewide mask mandate was, well, mandated on July 1st, 2020. Since the mask mandate was implemented, cases steadily rose. Rose, rose, hospitalizations rose, 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 all throughout the winter. They got higher and higher despite mass mandates. And then after, let's say, you know, somewhere in January of, of 2021, cases started to go down drastically to their lowest point, oh, kind of the beginning of April. And then they started to rise again. They rose and rose and rose, not to their peak, but they continued to rise throughout May. And then on May 13th, a statewide mass mandate was lifted for the vaccinated. And cases went down, 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 down into July to one of the lower points since the pandemic started. And then suddenly they rose higher than they were at any point in 2020 beyond what they have been in previous time, period. And so on August 13th, a state of this year, a mass mandate was reinstated for all. Now, I talked about this in the last podcast episode. Governor Kate Brown, she reinstated mass mandates indoors and outdoors, okay? And since that mass mandate has been implemented, mandated, well, the cases have skyrocketed even more. So if you're a rational human being who has a brain at all, Again, two brain cells to rub together. Masks obviously don't work. I mean, this virus does what the virus does. That's the point. And so we continue to have these conversations. We continue to see the stories, sensational stories from the media, talking about overcrowded hospitals and so on and so forth. And yet I told you on the last episode again, too, about how the same sensational reporting has accompanied the flu in past years. In 2000, around that time in the UK, where they had to wheel in freezer units externally to put dead bodies because the flu was so bad, influenza was so bad. The same thing in the 2017-2018 flu season in America, CBS reporting about overcrowded hospitals, running out of hospital beds, young healthy children dying. I mean, that's the point. All of this is nonsense. I mean, the American citizen has to make up in their mind for themselves at this point. You know, if they really want to continue to live their lives this way in complete fear of something that really isn't going to affect you unless you're fat and obese, or if you're elderly, or if you have pre-existing conditions, which frankly, if you fit in those categories, the flu is probably going to get you too. That's what we're dealing with. 
So, again, we need to screw our heads on straight. Uh, Oregon's the latest thing to display that none of this is science. CDC is full of garbage. And speaking of the CDC, by the way, uh, the same woman who unconstitutionally at the CDC there, um, I don't remember her name because I try to block out um, psychopaths from my memory, but whoever heads the CDC there, uh, it's a woman. You know, she's the one who unconstitutionally... um, extended the eviction moratorium and now she has come out and made claims and is starting to lay the groundwork for an uh another unconstitutional argument that the democrats will seize upon to seize our second amendment right okay she is coming out and saying that she's very concerned because um gun violence that's now a uh, cdc issue of health and public safety. And so the CDC has rapidly, and you should pay attention to the CDC because they're being weaponized. This bureaucracy that was, we don't vote for any of them. They're now being used by the Democratic Party to do what they can't do through the legislature, through the back door, through other unconstitutional means. And this is why it's important to fight the war against this these vaccine mandates and everything else. Because if they can mandate vaccines in the name of health and public safety, well, they can mandate our guns away in the name of health and public safety. And I'm going to take one more short break, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to talk to you about our Second Amendment right. Because I'm not, not so certain anymore that that is really going to protect us from what is to come. Because the Second Amendment means nothing if we don't revere it. The Second Amendment doesn't mean anything if we don't use it. This is Drew Allen. We'll be right back. Now, I'm certainly not an advocate of any kind of violence. That's not what I'm talking about when I mention the Second Amendment. Excuse me. But what I'm talking about is we've talked about Australia. You've probably seen in the news what's going on over there. I mean, they're now a penal colony. Again, the irony and they're, they're being arrested for violating, well, for, for taking their masks off in public. I mean, they're telling people there that they're not allowed to take their masks off to have a cocktail outside a bar. I mean, they're literally locked down and being arrested for trying to live their lives. And we look at that and we say, well, you know, that could never happen in America, for example, because, well, you know, we have a Second Amendment right, and the Australians, well, they don't have any ability to defend themselves because they sold all their guns back to the the government there. But look at what's happening in America throughout this country. Whether it's Oregon, where you have now outdoor mask mandates, you have the images of of students um, in some of these schools being dragged out of the classrooms and arrested by cops for not wearing a mask at the school. I mean, these scenes that we're seeing take place in Australia are taking place in America. We haven't seen the same scale yet, but the Second Amendment doesn't seem to be protecting us against these types of behaviors. I mean, if you look back at March of 2020 and the lockdowns, I mean, that was unprecedented. We never could have imagined a scenario like that take place. And I certainly never could have imagined that the American people would have tolerated it. But we did. And, you know, it's a difficult thing to confront, but the Second Amendment exists to 
will prevent some kind of totalitarian takeover of this country, but it also requires the government fearing that being used. And so again, I'm not advocating violence, but I'm just saying that, I mean, they've violated the Constitution time and time again. I mean, our First Amendment rights have been virtually stripped from conservatives and Republicans. I was talking about Twitter, what happens there, what happens on the censorship with YouTube, with all these tech giants, with a president of the United States who is actively calling on and working, colluding with these tech companies to silence our free speech. And, and it's still happening. We have a Second Amendment, right? You know, we had him, of course, as I mentioned before, threatening the American people, saying, you know, basically, I mean, the, the, the gist, what, what Biden was really suggesting is that we can do anything we want to you. Because if you have a problem with the government, well, we've got nukes and F-15s and so on and so forth, and you're going to need that. You're going to need that in order to take us on. And so they're, they're threatening us. They're toying with us. They don't believe we have teeth. And the truth is, in a lawless culture, I mean, God forbid it got to a place like, it, like the Civil War in the 1860s. But they would deploy troops against us. And so anyway, I, I just I think that the, the shift, it's, it's a mental thing in America. That's what the problem is. I mean, none of the amendments are sacred if, if every American citizen and politician doesn't revere them and honor them and swear to abide by them and, and swear to demand that everyone else abide by them. So that's the problem. We have this constitutional crisis. The Constitution's a piece of paper. It's utterly meaningless so long as nobody abides by it. And that's why it's so important to impeach Joe Biden. There have to be consequences. And these consequence, consequences that we are seeking that need to take place, well, they're in the Constitution. I mean, the Declaration of Independence says that after a long train of abuses, you know, when the government descends into tyranny and becomes what we fought to defeat, well, it's the right of us to rise up and replace the government. That's in the Declaration of Independence. There's no right for the government to conquer the people, but there is a right there a constitutional right to go against this government. And it's in the Declaration to overthrow it. But anyway, you know, the left, what's amazing to me about them, you know, we understand them very well. They don't have clear, rational minds. They have perverted minds. They don't understand us at all, though. They don't understand the right because they're not capable of putting themselves in our shoes. They're not capable of thinking like we are. We do it all the time. And the left also, they're so confined by their indoctrinated state and their worship of political party. You know, their allegiance isn't to a constitution, it's to an ideology that's foreign to America. That's the difference. We conservatives, we'll criticize any Republican. We do it every day. We do it every day. The rhinos, we hate the rhinos. But you don't hear leftists screaming about Nancy Pelosi. You hear them defending them all. The Constitution be damned. It doesn't matter to them because they don't have any morals. Their morals shift. They're fluid. But I want to I finish with this story. It's in the New Republic. It's a leftist. His name is Michael Trotsky. Oh, sorry, Tomaski. He's a Trotskyite. Slip of the tongue. 
Here's the headline. Be glad Donald Trump isn't running the show in Afghanistan. <laughs> okay. And here's the subheadline. The former president's recent rhetoric over the U.S. withdrawal is a potent reminder of his lack of fitness for command. We have a president who isn't running the show. When he goes up to talk about things, he says, I'm not supposed to answer any questions, or they told me not to take any questions. The guy takes, starts to go on vacation amidst the fall of Afghanistan, and they have to drag him back out when public pressure is so great to hear from him. The guy stutters, stammers. He can't complete a com- complete uh, full sentence. He can't answer questions. He doesn't know what's going on. And they're focused on Donald Trump's lack of fitness for command. These people are, are insane. But the article goes on because I want to look into the mind of the left. It is, of course, impossible to say how the Afghanistan withdrawal would have gone down if Donald Trump had still been in the White House instead of Joe Biden. Well, if it's impossible to to say, why write this article? Here we go. But we can say this much, he says. Whatever happened, the entire Republican Party and the whole right-wing media propaganda machine would be behind it 10,000%. We don't have a right-wing media propaganda machine, for one. And we're never behind anything all the time 10,000%. What he's explaining here is exactly what the left is doing. They're the ones, the entire Democrat Party, and the whole left-wing media propaganda machine is behind Joe Biden 10,000%. They just project. They think that we are and must be what they are. They don't understand us or America conservatives at all. This is no mystery, he goes on. If the suicide bomb that killed 13 of our soldiers had exploded during a Trump presidency... Fox News and the GOP would have found a way to blame the woke generals. What? I mean, they won't confront the reality of what's taking place. They won't confront the reality that Joe Biden is in the White House. They still are focused on this imaginary scenario in which Trump is in the White House. Zero accountability, zero responsibility. These people won't face reality. They're not interested in fixing anything. They're just projecting. This is business as usual for the American right, he says, of course, but it's worth remarking on here because on this occasion, it's considerably more consequential. How so, Mr. Trotskyite? The United States has just lost a war for only maybe the second time in its history. In a different world, this might have meant that outside of some partisan bickering, leaders of both parties would be mutually invested in Mutually invested in about repairing the United States' international standing and reputation. But given today's right, that's a fantasy. What is he talking about? Joe Biden has destroyed our reputation. You have him being condemned in the parliament of the UK. You have our allies talking down about Joe Biden, ridiculing him, announcing to the world that they're no longer coming to us for help because we can't be trusted. And this writer, this leftist hack is saying that the right is the problem? We're not invested in repairing our standing? We don't control Congress. We don't control the presidency. We don't control the deep state. We don't control the military. We have the woke military. And he's saying that we're the problem? He goes on, they'll try to use Afghanistan to destroy Biden. And if that means damaging the country, so what? This is how they get away with this crap. This is how they got away with stealing the election. 
This is how they, they get away time and time again. This is why there haven't been calls for impeachment. Not enough of them. Because they make claims like this. We're damaging the country by calling for impeachment. We're damaging the country by criticizing Joe Biden. Meanwhile, we're not allowed to, to, to speak freely. Censorship of free speech. They're attacking, I mean, the Constitution day in and day out. These people are insane. It's, I mean, talk about gaslighting. This is the definition of gaslighting. Makes you insane. This starts with Trump himself, he writes. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the, his rhetoric over the past two weeks, but they've been comparatively relentless. According to The Independent, Trump has issued 12 statements in the past five days. In most recent spate of communication, Trump made the following claim. If I were now president, the world would find that our withdrawal from Afghanistan would be a conditions-based withdrawal. This guy then mocks. He says, right, he'd have had so much more control over the situation than Biden. Well, you started saying we'd have no idea what this would have looked like under Trump. And now he, now he suggests that, well, he knows apparently that Trump wouldn't have more control of the situation than Biden. These people are, are literally low IQ, uh, just dim wits. People on the left, literally, it doesn't matter if they go to Harvard or whatever. They have no ability to, self, no self-awareness, no critical thinking. I mean, they're literally mental midgets like this guy. This is an embarrassing article. Absolutely embarrassing. But this guy thinks he's brilliant. He's probably telling everybody, look, I got my article published. Look how smart I am. Means nothing. Anyway, so he says, it's not even clear that Trump's plan to withdraw from Afghanistan was sincere. Regardless, there's ample reason to worry that Trump would have bumbled his way into escalating matters. Again, the premise, I mean, I just can't with this guy. The premise, we'll never know what this would have looked like under Trump. But this guy seems to know everything about how it would have gone under Trump, does it not? This isn't just speculation, he writes. There's actual evidence for this. In late March, the Taliban launched a rocket assault on forward operating base Chapman, a U.S. outpost located in Afghanistan's coast province. CNN reported that no Americans were killed or injured, so it was presumably some kind of warning shot. But it was the first prominent Taliban attack on U.S. forces since the Doha Agreement. Joe Biden is president, right, when this happens. So he goes on and says Joe Biden responded by doing nothing much. Some will see that as weakness. Others will recognize that given that the attack didn't amount to much and given that it happened just five weeks before the originally agreed upon withdrawal date of May 1st, maybe it wasn't a horrible idea to downplay it. He goes on. Now he's, now he's going to say what Trump said on Hugh Hewitt's radio show. Hugh Hewitt, apparently, uh, he asked Trump if he would have considered the Doha agreement breached at that moment. Trump says, oh, it would. We would have hit them so hard. It would have been breached, and they would have come back, and they would have said, please, please, please. We had a couple of conditions breached, much less than what you mentioned. That was a big hit. When I saw that and heard about that, I said, well, that's strange. It was strange because they would have never done that if it was me. And he's, he's exactly right, because shortly after signing this agreement, what people don't realize, which puts this whole narrative that, you know, this was inevitable, it's Trump's fault, to rest, is that just after signing, four days after signing the agreement, the Taliban violated the agreement, and Trump hit them, bombed them. So Trump's right. This writer's a moron. As ever, Trump oscillates back and forth between the fantasy world of his mind, where the Taliban quaked in such fear of him, that they never would have done such a thing, 
and the real world where he acknowledges the premise of Hewitt's softball question. So this guy suggests that Trump would have escalated matters and he'd blown up the whole deal. Well, the deal should be blown up if they're not abiding by it. It was a terms-based agreement. <sighs> Biden, after a rocky first week, has looked steadier on Afghanistan in recent days. <laughs> um, steadier on Afghanistan. So we have the uh, Biden administration that won't reveal the identities of the alleged planners of the Kabul, Kabul bombing that left 13 American Marines dead in addition to Afghanis. They won't reveal the, 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 the identities, by the way, because it didn't happen. It's not true. They're lying. They're lying about everything. Remember, this is, this is what they did uh, with Trump, by the way. CNN would publish these phony stories in the attempt to get Trump on the Russia collusion charges. They'd say, we have a source that's revealed that blah, blah, blah. And then you find out when you actually track down the source, the source doesn't say that. When they don't reveal sources, it's not because they're protecting the journalist. It's because they're lying. And, and, and Biden looks steadier on Afghanistan. This guy writes this just as innocent children, a family. I think it was eight people, six of them children. The youngest was two years old, I believe. Well, we, were, we retaliated against the Taliban, don't you know, by killing innocent civilians in Afghanistan. But that's apparently Biden looking steady. Steady as Americans are going to be left behind. Yes, he's very steady. Steady on his march, slow walk to destroy America. His remarks, he says, after the 13 deaths of U.S. Marines were appropriate, and nobody doubts that Joe Biden, who has spent the last 20 years showing up without the media paying attention to the Dover, Delaware Air Base, to which military corpses are often returned, and who ends every speech with God bless our troops, cares about our soldiers. And yet, this is a lie. We had Joe Biden checking his watch. He doesn't care. And um, so Joe Biden cares about our soldiers. And of course, Trump, nobody cared more about the soldiers than Trump. That's undeniable based on everything that he exhibited throughout his presidency. His trips to see it. Has Biden gone and visited the troops yet? Did he go to Afghanistan at any point? Did he go to any other military installation and shake their hands, eat with them? No, that didn't happen. This guy lives in fantasy land. Here's how he finishes the article. We'll see what the fateful next couple days bring. We can't know what will happen. But I'll say this much. There's no doubt in my mind which president I'd rather see in the White House. A megalomaniac whose first thought is his own personal glory or a man who sees himself as an actual public servant whose first thought is the families of Americans in harm's way. It's a pretty obvious choice. There's no hope for people like this. If you can't see that you made the wrong decision voting for Biden at this point, you'll never see it. You'll live in the delusions of your own mind for eternity. And these people are, are reprobates at this point that are responsible for destroying this country as well because it begins with the citizenry. And the reality is we have too many citizens like this who just, <laughs> I don't know. They'll be searching in vain for the rest of their lives for a coherent, rational thought.
So all the stuff we talked about with Joe Biden, with the corruption in his family, him becoming rich off the American taxpayer and off of his positions in Congress and vice president, now president, with Hunter Biden, all those scandals. Right, right. His first thought is the families of Americans in harm's way. When this guy starts to go on vacation, avoids responsibility time and time again, won't answer questions. Michael Tomaski, folks. Michael Tomaski. But anyway, folks, it's great to be with you this Monday. Um, I want to sincerely thank you again for tuning in. Uh, God bless you all, and until next time.